the night before Christmas and all through the ship. Not a sensor was flashing, not even a blip. When there was a huge crash to the bridge, I then ran. And there found St. Nicholas with joystick in hand. With Atari's Miss Pac-Man, he gobbled and scored. Then on to Jungle Hunt, he played till he roared. From out of his sack, he pulled dozens of games, all the great ones from Atari, our favorite names. Before I could thank him, he beamed out of sight. With a Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 322. Thanks for listening. Ding dong, ding dong. Ding dong, ding dong. We're simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It is Christmas Day, for goodness sakes, as this episode is going out. Did my ding dongs put you in the Christmas spirit? Don't answer that. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays to you and yours. I hope whatever you're celebrating right now is to your liking and that uh, you're having a peaceful and prosperous holiday season as we close out the year 2022. We're doing something a little different with this episode. As always, the last episode of the year is a special one. We put away the game console. We roll up the parchment. We lay down our quill pen that we use to write the uh, stories every episode. And we just try to kick back and watch a movie. Not just any movie. A movie that inspired or was inspired by one of the games that we played during the year. This year, the game was No Escape from episode 316, which was a version, supposedly, of the Jason and the Golden Fleece story from ancient Greek mythology. Guess I can kind of see that? I don't know. Go back and listen to the episode. I can see it if I squint really hard and take a lot of cold medicine first. I don't know. Speaking of things that would be improved by being stoned, with that inspiration in mind, there could only be one movie that we would possibly watch for this episode, and that movie is Dumb and Dumber. Just kidding. We're, of course, watching, you know, inspired by Jason and the Golden Fleece, we have to watch Jason and the Argonauts, the 1963 adventure film about ancient Greek gods and goddesses and the uh, hero Jason on a quest to find the Golden Fleece. The film is mostly famous for using legendary Ray Harryhausen's special effects. All of that, uh, you know, stop-motion animation and stuff. How special are these effects? Pretty damn special, actually. But don't just take my word for it. How about the word of Jeff Fulton? One half of the duo of Jeff and Steve Fulton, hosts of the peerlessly classy Into the Vertical Blank podcast. Just ask him. He's on the show today. Well, okay, the show's actually pre-recorded, so you can't ask him, but... He is on the show, and uh, he and I sat down and kind of walked through the plot of Jason and the Argonauts and uh, shared what we thought about it. So, after this break, while the kids and the in-laws fight over the broken toys and the Yule logs, let Jeff and me tell you about that thing that is the legendary 1963 film, Jason and the Argonauts. Pass the NyQuil eggnog, will you? Now, from the makers of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures presents... Jason and the Argonauts. 
the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Turn back, Jason! We're trapped! Sailing to the ends of the earth, battling against an incredible number of obstacles. Where will you find this miracle? I have heard there is a tree at the end of the world with a fleece of gold hanging in its branches. In search of the fabulous magic golden fleece, Jason and the Argonauts, caught in the clutches of the towering bronze giant Talos, battered by treacherous falling rocks, taming vulturous harpies, facing the dreaded seven-headed hydra, battling the merciless army of skeletons. Jason and the Argonauts, the classic story of Jason. A man who challenged the gods. Medea, a temple dancer who betrayed a kingdom for love. The Argonauts, the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Jason and the Argonauts, a classic adventure story. Brought to the screen through the incredible special effects magic of Dinorama. Jason and the Argonauts, the search that became a legend. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast all about life lessons growing up and every episode a segment about music music that i love artists that i admire and sometimes even my own music you can find autobiography of a schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers or you can go to schnookpodcast.com that's s-c-h-n-o-o-k podcast.com and I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Okay, everybody, as promised, your holiday gift this year is our friend Jeff has dropped by uh, on this merriest of days. Jeff, as, as you might know, uh, this episode is going out on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day? Yeah. Actually, anybody who hears this, a treat for you would be to open up your Crackle app and watch this movie on Christmas. This is a great movie just to start out. But anyway, go on. It is. Not very Christmassy, I guess. But, you no. know, if you're tired no. of the family. And it's actually, uh, sorry, it's actually full of the old gods. Heretics might like this movie on, on Christmas Day. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and it's a movie for the whole family. So it is. Uh, if you're sick of uh, sick of talking to each other on the holiday, you can uh, sit down and watch this movie for a little bit. Before we get going here too much, and most people listening to the show know who you are, I would guess. But Maybe. the few people who don't, who are you? I am Jeff Fulton. I, um, I've been playing Atari since I was... 
five and I'm 52 now. So I've been playing Atari for a long time. And uh, for a long time, you know, I did lots of different Atari things, had all the different consoles, although never, never really sh- sh- shied away from Atari all the way through the Jaguar. Um, and then um, about five or six years ago, my brother and I, um, after having multiple websites about Atari and things like that, we started a podcast called Into the Vertical Blank, where my brother gets to write all his stories and I get to edit them. And um, and and then we also talk a lot of not just stories. We talk a lot about all the Atari consoles and sort of what growing up in the 80s was like and not just playing the games, but sort of what it means to be a child of that generation. All in the context of Atari, really, because kind of is a focus. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Uh, for coming by, are you a, are you a movie guy? Are you a film buff? Oh, I uh, well, I love movies, but I, I I and I have a history of watching movies on you know Sunday afternoons in the seventies and eighties, right? And going to the movies, and uh, I have all the streaming services, so I watched a lot of movies, but I had never seen this one. I saw what is the weird eighties movie that has Jason in it, but it's not this movie, like Clash of the Titans. So oh, yeah. I always get this movie confused with Clash of the Titans, not even close to being the same movie. <laughs> this movie is 100 times better than Clash of the Titans. Yeah, I, I'm i sure I saw Clash of the Titans, although I don't remember much about it. And like you, I had never seen this one either. It's famous, this movie, Jason and the Argonauts, but mostly I think because of Ray Harryhausen. Yes, yes. Ray, um, but I'd never and, seen it. I, I, I'm and the producer. I, so Ray did all the all the, all the special effects, right? Yes. And the um, producer of this movie, Charles Schneer, did all kinds of movies like this. So I think it's a catalog to look at these two guys and see what they did. Yeah. I'm about the same age as you. Uh, we're a little young to have seen this movie, obviously. No. We're too young to have seen this movie when it came out. But I can imagine being 10 years old in 1963 and you go to the set, Saturday matinee and probably be blown away by this movie. This this might have been their Star Wars, I'm telling you. Because, yeah. I mean, not like, well, I guess not Star Wars, because Star Wars changed everything because it was space. But this would have been your epic movie. It's not a serial. It's not cheesy. It is, what is this? What is the, the width of this screen? 137 to 1. <laughs> it is a wide screen. This movie is, and it looks beautiful in HD on, on, yeah. on streaming, too. So, Absolutely. yeah, this what? is... I suppose I should back up for a second and tell people what we're talking about. If I, oh, maybe yeah, I said sorry. already. Jason and the Argonauts. That's what we're watching. <laughs> it's from 1963, directed by Don Chaffee, produced by Columbia Pictures, a Charles Schneer product, production. You said that. Ray Harryhausen, creator of the special effects for the movie. We'll talk about him, I suppose, in a, in a minute or two. He has a long pedigree, uh, very famous uh, pioneer of uh, stop motion animation, uh, ha- has his footprint in, in a lot of uh, movies like this in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and uh, and this is one of them. It's an hour and 44 minutes for anyone keeping track. I don't know if our conversation will be an hour and 44 minutes, but that's how long the movie is. And in summary, the movie is about Jason. He's an ancient Greek, and he's played by a guy named Tom Armstrong, who I know nothing about. He uh, sets sail with his, his crew, his Argonauts, and they battle harpies and bronze statues, and they're on a quest to get the Golden Fleece, and bring it back to, uh, where do they live? Thessaly, right? Thessaly, right. But we'll get into all that here in a minute. It's got adventure, it's got drama, it's got a love story, I guess. It's got everything. So uh, any any sort of, any more uh, preamble, any stuff uh, you want to get into so before we get into the movie? It's a 
interesting mix of fiction and Greek mythology. So they mm-hmm. took some Greek mythology. It very closely follows certain pieces of Greek mythology, but it changes some things. I don't know for the better or worse, but it changes some things along the way. Yeah. Um, very interesting. I had, I we always heard of these sort of adventures of Jason, maybe if you and maybe you heard about Hercules or Ulysses, and these kind of all meld together a little bit because I remember a game called Ulysses and the Golden Fleece. Ulysses is nowhere to be found in this movie. <laughs> so, so, um, but it's it's interesting. It's very I, this. It's um, like you said, if you're a '60s kid, this if I was in the '60s, this would have been my favorite movie this year, or maybe for the entire. You know, 60s, yeah. like being the nerdy 60s kid I would have been. Absolutely. I mentioned Todd Armstrong. Medea is played by Nancy Kovac. Gary Raymond plays somebody who I didn't write down here. Lawrence Naismith. Uh, those are the big stars of the movie. I, I really was hoping I would know some of those people. I, I don't recognize any of them, frankly. Yeah, I only recognize. So, um, so Hera, who I don't have the actress's name, which I should have right here. Hera plays... Hera is played by. I'm going to find this because I'm, I'm sorry. I had it written down. It's missing. Oh, here we go. I have the cast list right here. Hera is played by Honor Blackman. Okay. Well, that's right. So Honor Blackman, um, two two ladies in this movie, absolutely beautiful. Like they knew what they were doing. Oh, Honor yeah, Blackman, definitely. I think passed away, but the there's Jason has a love interest in this movie later, and she's still alive. But they did a good job. It's there's a there's a little there's a little uh, I'm going to say it this way. There's a little milf in milf action with Hera. She seems to have a crush on Jason, and she's married to Zeus. I yep. think she's married to Zeus. Yeah. So there's some anyway. It's an interesting story of the of the gods playing with the uh, the mortals in this one. A very there's a, a lot of interplay. The if you if you're a kid today watching these special effects, you might laugh at them. You might laugh at these concepts. Back then, these were pretty just pretty state of the art. And so it's uh, like watching this this week was very much like why how to, how come I've never seen this before. Yeah, the movie does do a nice job of showing that it's really the gods just messing with these people. They're literally playing a game. uh, Almost like um, trading places. They bet a dollar. Yeah. Right. (laughs) To see who would get the golden (laughs) fleece. Fun bit of trivia here. I just pulled this up. Honor Blackman was pussy galore in Goldfinger. Oh, okay. Yes. I I had totally forgotten. And yeah, she died at age 94 in 2020. Not that long ago. And later on, we will meet uh, Nancy Kovac, who plays Medea. She comes in the last third of the movie. Um, She's kind of a hero love interest to Jason. And she reminded me a lot of the woman who played Catwoman on um, Batman. Doesn't look exactly the same. Just reminded me, like, has sort of that. She purrs when she talks. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she had Eartha Kitt, right? Eartha Kitt, right. And then there there was somebody else, though, too. There's another one after the kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This, this is the 60s. It. The 60s. This is the 60s aesthetic we're going for here, which I is can like see the women yeah. all purred when they saw Jason. Well, anyway, <laughs> the movie opens. You got your epic music. You got your, your credits. I think that there's paintings on, on the wall behind the credits. I think it's supposed to be telling the story that we're about to see, but it's kind of hard to, to see them through the credits. A lot see? of money was spent on these backdrops. A lot. Yes. And, they, and the whole thing. Filmed in Italy. First, I said, okay, wait, I live in Southern California. This kind of looks familiar. Maybe they stuck a boat out, you know, <laughs> in the beach near yeah. Palos Verdes, which is downstream. Nope, whole thing filmed in Italy. This is a 
a lot of money was spent on this production. Oh, there's a lot of great shots of beautiful blue water and and they're out there on the ocean and it, it looks gorgeous. Oh, but yeah, I read the, something somewhere. The budget for this movie was two and a half million. Yeah, it, it, that's what it could have been to. 750 million in in cgi today <laughs> well yeah. you know my my math is a little off but yeah. um yeah very close I, I mean i guess when we're at the end here we can talk about whether the special effects actually work or not uh, i guess we'll i have there, yeah. i have thoughts but uh we'll, we'll get to that yeah, yeah uh, in yeah. a minute um so the movie starts we see a soldier we don't know who he is yet walking around then we see an, an older guy carrying a, a pot of ashes Right. And he uh, places the ashes on, on the fire, I guess. And and the other guy walks up to him and he's like, well, and we find out this guy's name is Peleus. Peleus, right. Right. I had trouble with the names, frankly, because they're all kind of similar. And I'm not an expert on Greek mythology. So the funny in my thing notes, I have was, different things written, you know. There are Peleus, all these think, right? fantastic Greek names that I can't pronounce. And then we get Jason. Turns out Jason is a Greek name. I didn't know that. I looked it up. Yeah, that always Jason threw me, is- even in school when we were learning. Greek mythology. Really? Jason? Okay. So. You know, we're going we're gonna to basically going to murder all the names of places, if, uh, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, I just probably will. You may not. Are there any, uh, any experts on Greek mythology listening? You're not going to, we're, we're not going to give anybody a Greek mythology lesson here, I don't yeah, think. We're not going to teach anyone anything. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so this guy, the, he's a, he's a, a, a seer. He, he's a prophet. Do we know his name? We must, but I, I didn't the write it in my notes. at the beginning. I don't have it written down. Maybe um, we don't know his name, but it could. Be, he may be of going to the Oracle at Delphi, something like that. Right? Let's just consider it's like an oracle. He's an oracle. He's an oracle, sorry. exactly. So he rubs some ashes on his hands, and he, that's his way. He's getting he's getting a, a vision or, or a, a, a prophecy, and he's like Zeus, the king of the gods of the Greeks. Write in the ashes that I may read the future. And basically, what he's predicting is uh, what he's seeing is there's a, a great tree at the end of the world. On which hangs a skin, the skin of a ram. First time I wrote my notes, I thought he said skin of a rat. Um, but it's a ram. Uh, prize of the gods, the golden fleece. So then Peleus doesn't really care about that. He just wants to know what's going to happen tonight. Right. Because uh, yeah. something big is going down. And and uh, the uh, oracle predicts that uh, King Aresto will be conquered. And that's what Peleus is after. He He wants to overthrow the king. I think the um, king Aresto is his either brother or half brother too. They don't go into it very much. Okay. In the original, in the original uh, myths, because this okay. is all myth, there's not historical. King Aresto it, um, is his half brother. Oh, okay. I missed yeah. that part. That yeah. makes sense though, because I, I, I didn't so feel that's like they how really he would explained. become king. I guess if he must be some lineage there, he didn't just usurp the like one by. He wanted to wipe out the kids too, right? Because yes, he didn't yes, want the kids. He's got the lineage uh, out there, so he's yeah. got to get rid of all of his children. Okay, well that makes sense because I never really totally understood what Peleus's beef with Aresto was, but I guess it's it's nothing just more than power. he just wants to be king. So just power, right? And then there's some stuff about how why well, I'm not going to need my sword if Zeus is protecting me. That was weird. Yeah, I, I didn't get that because later matter. he has his sword. Yeah, oh, you should always have your sword. That's just yeah, yeah of course. Sword is sword is a must. But he says it, and then he almost acts like he's not going to use a sword because Zeus will protect him. And then when he's there, he's he's using a sword. I, I guess he he decided that he needed a sword. I mean, it was weird. Yeah. It's one of the notes I, I had know. here. Is like strange. I didn't I didn't get it. I, other than maybe to emphasize the point that Zeus protects everybody right. or something. I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter it, because the oracle says, "Well, 
it's not really going to matter because you're going to win today, but eventually the, you know, your kid, his kid is going to take it back. And the palace right. is like, well, and the king has no children. So right. he's going to kill all the kids. Uh, and the man's like, well, he has two daughters and a son. And Pelis is going to kill them too. Uh, cut to the, the big coup, the big uh, fight. And there's lots of sword fighting. We see a woman this, holding a screaming baby. This scene, with, with how yeah. this was filmed, it seemed a little bit... You know how when uh, Harry Potter's filmed and you can't really tell what's going on because there's too many things going on in the castle? That's yeah. what this was like. Like, I'm kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then you got the woman and the baby. And I'm like, ah, son, baby. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it uh, took, took a little while to get there. It took a minute for me too. I think the oracle actually stops some soldiers from going into the temple because this is this is a moment for Peleus to to fulfill his prophecy or whatever. Right. I think there's a quick shot of one of the soldiers grabbing the other baby, Jason, I assume, to save him. The woman, the baby that she's holding, she places in the arms of a statue of Hera, asks Hera to protect the baby and her sister and herself while she's at it. Peleus approaches, asks if she's the daughter of Aresto. That's the king, right? Aresto? Right. Yes. But then another woman shows up, and she's like, be silent. She is in pain, her sister and her murdered father. So this this woman apparently is one of Aresto, is one of Aresto's kids. The reason she goes to the statue of Hera is Hera is the Greek goddess of women and childbirth. Yes, but, thank you. So... So what happens is, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you, I'm saying, so she brings it there because she's hoping that that Hera will save this baby. And the baby is Jason, I'm pretty sure, I think. Because, oh, yeah, is that baby, baby Jason? That's baby Jason. The reason is baby Jason. That's what Hera now is protecting Jason okay. for the rest of the Okay, movie. well, that makes sense. Yes, that makes more sense. Um, my notes were wrong earlier, so that was... Well, I'm just saying, this is convoluted. I had yeah. to watch it. I had to watch that for opening twice because it's a lot of stuff's going on. Yeah, um, I watched it twice also. I watched it actually just this morning, so... There's a bad, some back and forth between this other woman and Peleus. Peleus is like uh, is wondering if, if uh, Hera heard this woman's prayer. Yes, she seemed the, to be another seer or something, like some sort of a soothsayer or whatever. I wrote you know. priestess. I think he was calling priestess, her a priestess, but yes, I, I don't okay, know what the priestess. difference is. And the priestess or seer or whatever is like, yes, Hera has heard this woman's prayer. And Peleus is like, well, okay, well then pray for me. And he kills the woman. Not right. the priestess, priestess, the the daughter of uh, the king. He killed, yes, he kills the daughter. Um, the priestess is like, well, you've gotten a kingdom, but your guards are going to abandon you eventually, and a one sandaled man eventually will come and kill you. Which I thought <laughs> it was a very strange. I was thinking yeah. a lot of the one armed man from uh, exactly, and it couldn't uh, one sandal. It couldn't be a guy, a bald guy, a guy with a beard, one sandaled dude, one sandal. <laughs> I mean, everybody at some point. In this era, in wearing sandal. just one sandal, <laughs> right? Catch wow. him like in the middle of getting dressed. Oh, he must be the guy that's going to kill me. But anyway, yeah, it's, so it's that's the prophecy. It, it's a wide swath man. of one sandal people could be could be the uh, and and so then yeah, it, it's it's this is the part the part it's a little convoluted. The story is a little convoluted. <laughs> I mean, the action's better than the story. Let's put it that way. It is. Yeah, we're not really doing the justice. It it is. Uh, I will say it is a kind of a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Um. I, I did. Not to spoil anything from my comments at the end, I had a good time watching it. So, yeah, but our, our our breakdown here maybe isn't doing it justice. So we find out, or she says something like, uh, "Well, Jason has escaped. Someone's gotten his. The baby's uh, is uh, alive. Baby's safe." Oh, actually, I'm, no. Somebody tells him that later. My notes aren't clear here. Is that the uh, oracle who tells him later that Jason's got away? Yes, yeah. The oracle oh, okay. tells him Jason's got away, um, and. Um, 
yeah. So the and this is his whole. He's very, very. He's very. This is this is sort of his legacy is going to be ruined here. Yeah. And so he's like, this is his. He did this whole setup to take his brother's kingdom, and this this thing, this one sandaled man of this baby, are going to ruin his whole thing. And, and so he's, and, he's really mad that this guy didn't tell him all of that to begin with. Right. Right. The other Oracle guy, the guy at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And there's some jazz about how, well, it's not going to do you any good to kill Jason. If you kill Jason, you kill yourself. They, they talk right. like this through the whole movie. Now we actually get to see Mount Olympus. Yes. Zeus and Hera are watching all this. And uh, and they have a little back and forth. Hera's given Zeus a hard time about basically setting up these events. Right. And, and Zeus, Zeus is like, stay in your lane, woman, basically. <laughs> He's like, there's you quite don't... a bit of There's quite a bit of that. Uh, this in this whole movie is quite a bit of that, right? Exactly. But she, he wants her to stay in her lane. Don't worry about this. This is my thing. I got going on with these people, and she saw she came to me, woman with the baby. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect him. And what does Zeus say? Do you remember what Zeus says? Zeus said, "Oh, it's it's iconic here." He says something to the effect of, "No, Hera, you protect the women. The rest of that is man's work." Right. Exactly. There's a lot of that in this movie. And then I think Hera, we don't get it, but there's like a wink. I think she's withholding uh, sexual favors until he says, okay, you can help the kid five times. Yeah, that's, that's the number the, of times that the mom had prayed to her. That's so. certainly the the uh, the undertone there. So, yeah, so they set up this thing about how Zeus is like, okay, how many times have the women asked you for help? Right. And somehow she knows it's exactly five. Five times. Yes. <laughs> and Zeus is like, okay. then. You can help Jason on his quest to uh, overthrow the king five times, and that's it. And then they talk about how well Jason's a baby now; he's gonna he won't be a man until he's twenty, uh, which is just an instant on Mount Olympus. Yeah, it's an instant. They they don't have any con- real concept of time. Oh well, yeah. they have concept of time, but to them, it's it's twenty years later in the next scene, which is to yeah. us too, I guess. It's an instant for us, exactly. So now it's twenty years later. Peleus, I was thrown at first because I. I it, the first moment I didn't realize it was Peleus. Yeah. And I realized, oh, okay, I see what's going on. Hera shows up, appears, freaks out the horse. Peleus falls off the horse. Jason happens to be walking by and saves him because uh, Peleus starts to drown in the water. So at this point in the story, I supposedly Hera is, this is convoluted because I think the myth is actually better than this, but maybe they want to set up this conflict early with Peleus and Jason because Jason's now young dude, 20, Peleus, probably he's, He's probably like he's probably in his fifties now, and so they kind of Hera kind of makes it look like Peleus pushes his horse, makes Peleus look like he can't swim, and he falls down, and then wants Jason to save him so she can prove that Jason's worthy of helping. In the myth, Hera just makes herself look like an old woman, and Jason helps her, and then she decides she's worthy. I think I don't know which one's better. Maybe this is better for filmmaking because it puts these two characters together earlier. Um, cause, hmm. uh, Peleus now, you know, she's, he's proven that, that he will save this old man by dog paddling, by the way, no one in this movie can swim. <laughs> anyway, um, everybody dog paddles. I think it's because they're actually walking in the ocean or wherever they are and they have to make it look like they're swimming. Um, I hadn't even noticed that, but yeah, I, they I think you're right. Paddle. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so yeah, the, um, he saves Peleus and Peleus brings him back to his, his awesome party at his kingdom. Well, first though, Peleus notices that the guy who saved him is only oh, wearing one sandal. Wearing one sandal. Now, how many other one sandal people could he have 
met in the last 20 years. <laughs> Could have been just this one. He's probably killed a lot of guys. He's probably killed a lot of one guys. Right, uh, exactly. exactly. Um, so he tells him, yeah, exactly. He tells him, I owe you my life. Here, come with me. And they go back to this guy's camp. It's interesting how it, it, Jason doesn't clue in on the fact that this guy must be Peleus because yeah, camp is, is uh, well, amazing. and Everyone's bowing down to him. And I, I get they may have never seen him, but I would think he'd figure it out. So the yeah, they comes back to the camp that it's funny because the camp is basically like a 60s party, <laughs> not a Greek, not really. I mean, kind of Greek. They kind of mixed it in, but it's it's basically like people dancing and singing and it's some it, it kind of looked like it you know very much of the 60s let's put it that way like a very much of the 60s party absolutely and we get the first of two extended sequences of watching women dance oh yeah this is a lot of good dancing in this movie. there are two uh, long is... scenes uh, of that sort of stuff and then uh, uh you know the the king puts an end to that the guy's like well you haven't told me your name and jason says i'm i'm jason the lawful king of thessaly <laughs> yeah exactly he doesn't make a secret of it at all no he's the king um, everyone um, is kind of stops and, and stares at him and and uh jason quickly explains for us i guess that one of his father's soldiers rescued him and raised him and now i've come back to you know claim my throne and the guy's like well i've been waiting for you so i guess he kind of reveals himself right there right only kind of though because he he doesn't say he wants him to well he gives him a task to do but this whole thing seems to be set up as like Jason is Jack in Three's company, never knowing what's happening behind this. There's always someone, there's always a missing pot or <laughs> a, a someone who thinks he might be gay. This not in this movie, but I'm just saying in general, we're like they're not. This whole yeah. movie is kind of set up, or there's a whole bunch of, I mean, things where people, someone's just not saying the thing that they should be saying. A little, a little inconsistencies or things that are unknown. So, you know, this is, we're getting closer to sort of, 70 60s and 70s comedies where they just left out a piece for one for one eye for one player and that's why they don't know what's going on exactly so you know jason is uh he's on this quest he's got a he wants to earn his place on the throne Peleus has turned everything to crap basically and Peleus has a dude that's hanging out with him who's giving him these these things it turns out yes. the dude hanging out with him is hermes and hermes isn't just a guy that makes men's clothing hermes actually is a god himself and he mm -hmm. he decides he's going to uncloak himself and show jason what it's like what the gods take jason to meet the gods in mount olympus he doesn't actually go to mount olympus he goes to the most hilarious chessboard i've ever seen for 1963 i thought the effect of uh this guy yeah. turning into hermes and transporting jason up to mount olympus i thought all that worked pretty well it's all state of the art like you yeah. can't say they didn't go out outrageously on the budget for these things especially this too Good old uh, Ray knew what he was doing, yeah. I guess. So they had this little uh, back and forth. Jason says something about how I wouldn't have believed a mortal could ask the help of the gods, much less visit them. Zeus kind of gets right to the point and asks Jason if he wants a ship and some soldiers to help him. Uh, <laughs> to help him, and Jason's like, "No, nah, I can get that myself." And Zeus and, is uh, like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, Zeus is stunned at that. This whole thing because and, the whole uh, thing to Zeus is a game. Like he's got his game board. You, when Jason shows up, he's on. The world oh, yeah. board right. that they look at as down from Mount Olympus, and it's just a game to Zeus. And Zeus yeah. is like, "What? Well, you won't take my toys?" Like he wants to give Jason a ship. And um, once the, the initial place. shock is over, Jason's really not phased by any of this. It's no, kind of like, no, no. You know, I'm going to appeal to the the good hearts of men, and I'm going to form this group, and and we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do. 
the gods are. When did they talk about the want their help the least? Oh, they talk about this. So uh, basically, at some um, <clears throat> let me go through. I'll read my notes I have here, and we'll see yeah. which ones fit in. Okay, so you can edit. I know it's going to be a big edit job. I apologize. Yeah. Okay. So what I have here is um, Hermes takes Jason to Mount Olympus to speak with Zeus and Hera. Hera tells him uh, tells him that Zeus has decreed that she can only help him five times. He learns that yes. then. This is the same number of times that Jason's murdered mother, they give her name now. Oh, mur wait, Jason's murdered sister. Was this his sister? Oh, yes. That'd be right. Yeah, this that was his sister. Because the, the sister had brought him back. Bresis, his name is Bresis, um, or uh, Bresiris, mm -hmm. called on hair for protection. She directs him to search for the fleece in the land of Colchis. Or maybe Colchis, I think it is. Colchis, I think, Zeus yeah. offers him aid, but Jason declines. So that was... And Jason is too thick to know that Hermes is actually himself when Hermes brings him up. The, the, let me get, okay. <clears throat> Zeus says, the gods are helped by those who want help the least. And then suddenly, when we're back from, uh, oh, and, and then, and then we come back to, to that. So at that point, during that discussion, um, uh, uh, Hera, Hera tells him that, he needs to look for the fleece in culture. So she's the only Colchis. She's the only one who tells him. Zeus is being very coy with all the information um, okay. in that in that discussion. Zeus doesn't want to tell him anything. I don't even think he wants him to have the golden fleece. This is a game to him, like we're saying. To her, right. it's important that he has it, we think. Yeah, Zeus can't believe that he offered him uh, to give him a ship and a crew, and, and Jason and refused. No. Shocking. So now we're back on Earth, I guess, and Jason is we're, he's recruiting his crew. Not only is he recruiting, so I think this on, on Crackle, we can't tell where there's commercials, but I think this would have been a commercial break. And it yeah. comes back from once we're with the gods, suddenly we're like in like a homoerotic, like a lot of glistening half-naked men. They're all tanned in 60s sort of buff, because it's not like buff now, it's 60s buff, right? It's different. Yeah, There's a different aesthetic. And they're all playing games, and you know they would have been doing this naked. But oh, they're yeah, not absolutely. doing it naked for this. And yeah. um, and what Jason's doing is trying to find men to get in his crew. And so yep. that's yeah. So they're wrestling and they're swimming and they have archery contests. And uh it turns out one of these guys is Hercules, who's right. I recall. And I don't know not... if I'm supposed to say homoerotic anymore, by the way. I have no idea. I might be canceled for saying homoerotic. I don't know I what no the idea. right term is, but that works. Um it does um, work because it was. I was kind of like, hey, the... oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. So Hercules um, is one of the guys. Is if I remember it, Hercules is not fully human, right? He's is he half god? Hercules is half. Um, he, Hercules is half. He his father is Zeus and his mother is a mortal. Yeah. So did Zeus plant him there to help? No, um, no, I don't. I well, we don't know that. Let me see. I mean, he participates in the competition, but if he's Zeus's he, son, they all know who Hercules. All these guys know who Hercules is. So, um, yeah. does not say in the notes that I have whether. In the real story, I don't know how much the story, this part is actually real. I know everyone looked for the fleece. Uh -huh. um, Hercules would have been Hercules would have been on a different journey at this point. He does show up as part of his other journey, and later in the movie, we learn that Zeus has other ideas for Hercules and moves him right. off to do something else. And I think this is just a small portion of Hercules's journey. So something yeah. else happens in this movie. May have been that they were going to do a, a sequel or something. Didn't get to it. I don't know. Um, well, yeah. they didn't focus on that story, but yeah, Hercules is here, and I don't think he's put there by Zeus. I think it's just everybody knows Hercules is there. I think they're coming back from a battle that might have been with between um, 
you know, uh, the Trojans and the Greeks don't know at this. At this okay. Point. There's a nice little bit where Hyrus, is that his name? The, uh, um, the, uh, the younger uh, guy? Is Heli- I think I um, I have it spilled probably close to have you it spilled, but I'm not Hylus sure. Hylus I call him Hylus. I don't know if that's I think, his you're, name I think you might be right, actually. Yeah. Challenges Hercules to uh, challenges him, basically. Yes. Yeah. Hercules actually picks what they're going to do, right? The, the discus throw. Yes. And it's it's the most hilarious discus throw thing I've ever seen. But and Helias has the best idea. I can't tell how far are they throwing this thing. It's pretty far. It's to an island, so it must be yeah. really far. But so they have a discus throwing contest across the Mediterranean, and, and Hercules, Hercules throws it. No problem really for him, far. of course. Hylas, I guess, is tr- the idea is he's he doesn't have the same strength, so he's trying to use his brain. I guess is the idea, right? So right, yes, he's smart. But he still he's chucks smart. that thing way out there. He does. He chucks it like I'm um, skipping a rock instead yeah. of just trying to fall it out there. Now me. You know, if I'm throwing a, a rock across the pond or I'm trying to skip it, I bet I could throw it further than I could skip it. Maybe. But I think anyway, Hylas, his idea is smart. I can't I can't beat Hercules' strength and beat him with my wits. And he beats him. He gets it further by skipping the, skipping the, the discus. I mean, I guess my thought is he still needed quite a bit of strength to even do what he did. Really? Didn't he? Maybe not. No, he did. I mean, he has strength there, but I don't think he's at, there's as much he's strength not as, as strong. that's no. all. Right. So it's just a nice little thing. I guess it's just, it's a bonding moment for these two guys because they end up being buddies. Right. And one thing I, I forgot to mention, maybe we can show this later, is that the entire Zeus Hera thing with the people doing this and they're sort of organizing or watching this happen, completely Twilight Zone. Complete like every Twilight Zone episode is basically like the gods, not everyone, gods playing with the men or aliens putting the men in the, it's a cookbook, whatever. It's totally <laughs> like this. So there's a 60s aesthetic here going on with sort of men, um, the like immortal beings playing or or someone outside the system playing with man. And that's kind of what's happening here. Exactly. Um, and Hercules being half god, he, he, he thinks he's you know, he's doing the same thing. but And so Hylas shows him that, you know, you don't have to just be brawn. Smarts can help, too. We get a little bit of foreshadowing. Zeus makes a comment like, well, let Hylas have his moment of triumph while he may. <laughs> I missed that line the first time I watched the movie, actually. I just caught it the second time. So now it's time to get a ship. Right. Jason goes and meets up with Argus on this really nice-looking ancient Greek ship. Uh, Jason decides he's going to call the ship the Argo. Named after Argus. Argus seems very touched by that. Yes. He's proud of his work. So there's this little uh, bit about the figurehead, the the statue thing that usually goes on the front of the ship, the bow, because it's supposed to protect the ship, you know, from what's coming. But on this one, the figurehead is at the the stern, the back of the ship. Right. And Argus Argus is like, well, I, I just felt compelled to do that. Do you want me to move it? And Jason's like, no. Leave it there, because it turns out it's Hera. It's it's yeah, and Hera wants to watch over the men. I think she yep. wants to watch the men. Really, is yep. what I think. Well, She's a thing. total cougar, complete cougar, and so she wants to watch the the guys row basically yep. and watch over them. I know she's watching over them. But she wants- yes, and and it's a, it's a lovely statue and everything, but then it opens its freaking eyes, and that it's freaked scary. me out because yeah. it's creepy looking. She's great. She reminds me um in um. In Clash of Titans, when they had that weird metal, uh, was it an owl or some sort of bird that would, it was like almost yes. a robot, like, let's be like Star Wars. It kind of reminded me how, how creeped out I was by that. Because, you know, when you're watching Star Wars and it's like, you know, C-3, C-3PO and R2-D2, great. 
it's a weird bird. Anyway, so um, so this yeah. kind of is kind of creepy. I thought it's, you know, she wanted to watch over them, but I also thought this was another one of those the gods playing with them. She should have been at the front. Somehow she forced her to put it at the back. So instead of her watching over the ocean, she's watching the dudes row. And this she's is like another the one of her oily weird... dudes row. Yeah, she watched yeah. the oily dudes row. And that's and there's a whole there's a, a little bit of that in this where like the gods are really playing with them in ways that you know are just beneficial to their fun that day. You know. <laughs> Side note: Is there a Clash of the Titans Atari game? Do you, do you know? I looked that up. No. Okay. So I I didn't see a Clash of the Titans. Let me see Atari Clash. There may be something on a different system. Okay, I was just really I'm just looking for an excuse to watch Clash of the Titans. No, I mean I think like, Clash of the Titans video game. No, no. I mean there might be something that someone did as I, the one thing I could think of would be someone who made like a homebrew uh, like, kind of. A homebrew or like a an adve- like a text adventure or something that was oh, set sure. in that thing, yeah. but there was no licensed game that I could find. Would have been okay. perfect. Yeah. I mean, I would have been good to do like t- Clash of Titans would have been perfect if someone did something like the way they did Raiders mm-hmm. Lost Ark Adventure game, but as a Clash of the Titans. I guess uh, I don't even remember when Titans came out. Eighty one. So it was perfect 81? timing. If there so it would have been. Yeah, we may have been missing if someone wants to tell us that there was one. But yeah, we may have missing it. But um, I don't see one. But what what a perfect license. Yeah. You know, like for Atari. That could have saved them. That could have saved them. You know why? E.T. Um, e. came out in Clash of Titans at the same time. They've just gone a different way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Argo or Argus and uh, Jason decide they're okay with uh, Hera the figurehead where she is. And now the next day they're they're loading up. They're going to set sail. Ah, um, and one thing that we miss yeah. when they set oh. sail is is um, a, ca- a castus. A castus. He's Felix's son. Oh, we didn't Felis mention that. Yes. sent him there to Thank join you. the pack. And at first I thought that Hylas was a castus trying to prove that he was he could throw it better and get on the ship. He just gets on anyway. And yeah. so I think it's because Jason recognizes it because it was there within Felix's. Uh, doesn't know it's his son, though. And he turns out to be the big uh, kind of a bad later. Like he, So he gets on the ship and he's with them. He works hard just as anyone else, but he's there to be a spy. I, we totally people. forgot to mention that. Yes, yeah. thank you. And yeah, and the more I thought about it, I realized that you're right. Jason probably knows uh, something's up with this guy, but yeah. uh, he lets him come anyway. So I think um, he just needs the help. I mean, he, you know, he just wants the help, right? I mean, he's he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't know the prophecy of the one the one armed and one legged and one sandaled man, the, the one armed sandal wearing <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So now we're gonna set sail. So we're gonna start getting nice shots of blue water and sunsets and things, and and I enjoyed all of that. It's all very pretty. Gods up on Mount Olympus continue to watch. So now that they're headed out, I don't know how long they thought it was going to take to get to the other side of the world, but pretty quickly, they're all tired and they're out of water. And hunger and and thirsty. Yeah. And and, uh, I get a little bit of the uh, Bobby, do you like movies about gladiators um, in this ship scene? Because there's a lot of thirsty men and it's like, where just get some water and food, you know? Anyway, there's a lot of (laughs) glistening men it's like i know what they were going for but like this is like 14 year old boys are watching this movie they didn't need a lot of glistening men they could not want to need us yeah so however long it's been they're down to like three sips of water a day because they're trying yes. to make their provisions last and not good when you're when you're rowing that boat no you're getting thirsty man so they have a discussion about well maybe we should turn back and go to one of the islands and jason's right. whining that they lose five days of uh of rowing time if they did that 
finally decides, all right, I got to ask Hera for help. Got to use one right. of my five uh, shots. So he goes back and starts whispering to the uh, to the uh, the figurehead, and she tells him that uh, she reveals that the guy that that he saved, who fell off the horse, was Peleus. Right. Right. And this is a shock to him, apparently. Uh, he didn't know who it was, which is interesting. He tells her, she tells him to keep sailing north, and you'll find an island where there have been men making weapons for Zeus. Right. But, right. and then she tells him something, we don't quite hear it. Although I don't know why, because right away he's going to tell the men what's up. So, right. oh, I'm putting my notes here. This is the first time I noticed that the sail had a ram on it. I don't know. Oh, yes. I felt compelled it's to write it down. It's very yeah. cool. Very cool. um, so now uh, he Jason tells the crew, okay, we're gonna we'll find land at noon. We'll be able to fill our bellies. We'll be able to take all the food and water that we want, but nothing else. Right. And Hercules, not just not maybe foreshadowing for later. Hercules yeah. says, "The only thing I'm taking is a woman, or something like that." It's like, oh okay, yeah, he's like, uh, that doesn't include the women. That, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Jason's like, yes, it does. And then Hercules feels compelled to elaborate. And I'll share it here just because this is what he said. If I meet a woman with a, if I meet a girl with a firm leg and a full bosom and a warm yes. heart, let no man stop me. Yeah, Hercules it's all is very cringy. Um, Hercules wants Hercules. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's been on a lot on a lot of travels lately. He's been he on this boat some, with dudes yeah. for a long time. Yeah, I, I so, understand. Hercules is basically like, okay, I gotta let these guys know that I, I yeah, I like women. That's basically just to make it clear, guys. To make it clear, right? Like. I'm the biggest and baddest, cool, but but I yeah, this is what I'm hanging out with you guys is awesome. But I'm into girls. That's basically what he's trying to say. Yeah, let them know. And it's hard to figure out if some of this kind of stuff is the movie trying to portray. Okay, this is what the gods were like in ancient mythology, and how much is it? This is a 1960s movie, and right? This is you know, this is how how they yeah. Uh, this is there's out, a lot. So. This that's why this movie is. It's got 60s written all over it, but also has a lot of it's classic. It's got some classic action in it, too. And, and yes, this, absolutely. You know. So now that and sure enough, this island's there and Jason tells everybody, yeah, Hera told me it would be here. And I guess this is when the men start to figure out that that he's been talking, he's talking to his head and right. <laughs> it's telling him what to do. To it's like, are you crazy, dude? You're talking to a statue man. You're, we're going here because <laughs> you talked to a statue. Yeah, they um... so, so they they arrive. Uh, they all head off the ship to go uh, find food and water, as they were told. Hercules and Hylas spot some goats, and they have this brilliant idea. Well, you know, we could get some goats, and that'd be a, a ready source of water or uh, drink and, and food. So there's a little a brief. I guess it's supposed to be comical. Oh, it's it's scene of it is trying to catch a goat. Unsuccessful slapstick. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, it really is. They added some slapstick where, where Hercules and Hylas, they for some reason they can't kill a boar. Is there any kill boars? Right. Yeah, goats. No goat. Goats. They yeah, can't yeah. kill a goat, and they're trying to. It's like this is Hercules. You can't kill a goat. I think they trip over one another. But it's like it's it's forces, and then it's it shows in a very forced perspective way of them being tiny, everything else island being huge, um, because they make weapons for the gods there. Yeah. But it's um, it was it's silly because they need them to stumble into some weapons, basically, right? They yep. need them to stumble. Somebody has to make a mistake. This is another Three's Company part of this one, right? Yeah. Somebody it, it, needs to make a mistake or something right. needs to be not told to them. They're on this quest. Something Stuff has got to happen on the way of the quest. And this is just one of the things. They need something to uh, occupy their time. So they stumble upon, almost literally, a, a statue of Talos. I think I looked up Talos earlier, but I don't remember what I found. Did you happen to? Talos is... Let's see, he's a 
Taylor, let me see. Talos is well, he's a giant bronze statue. I'm gonna take a Talos really quick. Um, Talos is he's just an automaton. They don't so um he was to, so to protect Crete from pirates. So Talos really is nothing but a giant bronze statue. Like they're like he so and he's not he's not a god. He is an he's a robot basically. So they did make a robot, and he doesn't represent anything but himself. Unless there might be other other um, stories about that, but in this particular one, this he's an automaton. Yeah, all he does he's a big bronze statue that uh, circles the island three times a day to protect pirates. Yes, yes, he That's protects them from pirates, and he basically is the uh, he's the giant robot slash Godzilla of this movie. And I will just say here, Talos, my favorite thing in this movie. Yeah, oh I my really God. like this guy, and he he's does so he cool looking. Holds no bars either. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I just I like the look at look yeah, of him. Talos I like how cool. he moves. I like this. The, would have been sort of... my favorite part of the movie when I was a kid. If I if I was at this point, because yeah. you get like the, after sort of this weird. I mean, it's pretty good. There's some action and stuff, but then suddenly the giant robot comes out, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. I'm in." Here we go. Yeah, I'm in. Exactly, I'm in. Uh, but I like how he moves. I like st- well, we aren't there yet. I guess. I'm, spoiler: He's going to start moving. I, I like the noise that it makes when he moves, and uh, we'll, we'll get there in a second. I guess first, yes. Uh, Hercules and Hylas take a moment to be totally in awe of these amazingly huge statues, and they notice that in the base of the statue of Talos, there's a door. Yes. And of course, there's there's a door you gotta go in. So they, they push the door open, they go in, it turns out it's a treasure chamber of these really, really huge pearls, and a thing that Hercules mistakes for a javelin, and Hylas is like, no, dummy, it's it's a, it's a pin for a brooch. Yeah, exactly. It's a brooch pin, but to him it's a javelin, because it's so big. Yeah. Um, but uh, Hercules likes it anyway, so I guess he's gonna take it. And uh, I noticed that, Hy- I think Hylas... Uh, Took one too, just because Hercules had one. Maybe not. Might as well. Yeah. So they decide they're gonna pick the stuff. They do have a little back and forth. Hylas is like, no, we, we probably shouldn't do this. And Hercules is like, well, if they were worried about this stuff, they wouldn't have just left it here. Clearly they don't want it. So let's just take it. One the door one point I have here is um is yeah. at this point in the movie of watching it, and you know, for the biggest, strongest man in the world, Hercules looks just like Judd Hirsch from Taxi. <laughs> A little bit yeah. of a buffer version, but still, it looks just like Judd Hirsch from Taxi. Like he just—it's like I, I mean, don't think I'm thinking of Hercules when I see him. I didn't mention that at the beginning of the movie, but I was struck when he, when Hercules first appears on screen. I would have pictured him in my head as being younger. Yes, yes. This guy is—I don't know if he's our age, but he's clearly—he's at least he's, in his forties. Yeah, he's. I mean, he looks good. He looks great. There. But oh, he's he's, he's great for a sixty Hercules. He's got a very prominent gray beard. Yeah, he's and uh, he's a sixty Hercules. You know. And uh, he looks good, but I I would have assumed they would have used a younger actor. Yeah, he's not he's not the sixty. He maybe he's a sixties kind of ripped Judd Hirsch, but still he's a Judd Hirsch. Maybe, yeah. Nothing wrong with him either. You know, great yeah, great in numbers, great on the TV show Numbers. If you haven't seen it, and and Taxi, and Taxi. Sorry, <laughs> you are you are my second interview in a row to mention uh, Judd Hirsch and Taxi. Really, oh, for no okay. real Perfect. reason other than uh, it just came up. So congratulations. <laughs> All right, that's good. Uh, neither time did it really have anything to do with what we were talking about. It just kind of came up. Yeah, exactly. Just, just uh, non sequiturs. Uh, that's the lasting impact of Taxi, I guess. Exactly, it is lasting oh. impact. I said that and lots cut. That's right. So, uh, so th- they they get trapped. 
in the uh, in the base of the statue because now the door is closed. Although it doesn't really last too long because Hercules is Hercules and he gets the door open. He just figured out a way to get out. So they think, okay, we're good. We got our javelin. We got our. Does Hylas actually take anything then? Or is it just? I mean, he he probably picks some stuff up because I didn't see anything in his hands at this point. But um, definitely, definitely Hercules has like showing his hubris, right? He's just like, I'm Hercules. I can do whatever I want. So where are the women? But then, oh, my God, the statue's head turns. Yes. And the statue is to say the statue's large or big or giant doesn't do its service. It is effing huge. And it does like there's not like these. It's pissed and it's huge. And these guys have no chance against it. None. And it looks amazing. I love this part of the movie so much. It's incredible. Uh, Ray, this is really the first, I guess, in the movie. This is the first we're really seeing the the stop motion stuff that right. people think of Ray Harryhausen for. I think he did all the effects in the movie, but I think this is really the first. This is the thing you'd say, okay, that's Ray Harryhausen. So the statue starts walking after him. It never really runs. But and the more I thought about it, I realized that that he fast. doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. It's he's every- huge. Every stride he takes is half a mile. I mean, it's yeah. just how big this guy is. <laughs> exactly. Oh, here's another note, another bit in my notes where I go on, on about how awesome this guy is. I really like this guy a lot. Um, yeah. So now back on the beach, uh, the other men are loading the ship with water and food like they were supposed to. Right. And exactly. uh, here come Hercules and Hylas charging down to the beach. And pretty quickly, they all see that Talos is following them. Uh, they freak out. They try to get on the ship. They try to, you know, take off but you can't just you know start the motor and go you got to get in position yep. you got to start rowing and like you said they're really no match for yeah. for talos and i didn't expect this to be the the outcome but talos basically just reaches down into the water and picks the ship up oh he there's he just basically shakes them out of the ship and yeah. crumbles it into pieces exactly um, he actually, they actually, he goes to a, a spot where they're trying to, they're trying to row as quick as they can out of what what is a bay. And he has actually positioned himself at the other end of the bay, straddling the ocean so he can pick them up. And I, and I remember from watching Game of Thrones when they, when they go to one of these large outside, I don't know if you know Game of Thrones, but outside of Westeros, they take a boat in the first, um, the first uh, like season five or something of it, and they they travel through a giant statue who's straddling the ocean just like this, which is really interesting. Um, oh. Anyway, so um, I don't know if that's if they saw that and they thought it was cool, but this this it's it's awesome. Anyway, he picks up the ship. He basically tries to kill everyone on this boat. The boat yep. is no, this is no, there are no heroes here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, I'm a little surprised more people didn't die. There yeah, should be exactly. more dead people. They're falling into water. So, yeah, you know, I maybe. guess. So, yeah, the ship is destroyed. The guys, uh, Jason, while they're in the, still in the water, Jason finds the figurehead kind of floating there. And Hera speaks to him again as basically he's like, I told you so, man. You screwed up, and uh, you know, Hercules kind of kind of screwed you guys, and Talos is going to kill you. Jason's like, well, I can't fight him. Weapons are useless uh, against bronze men. So Hera gives him a clue. I guess, is this number two or three of his... Yeah, uh, number two, I think. We don't, they his, don't uh, keep an active request. running count, so it's kind of hard to tell, but I think... I, I kind of tried to, but I, I it wasn't clear well, to me. They don't really, he doesn't even say it either. I kind of like... I think they wanted to keep it as a MacGuffin, so any time they needed it, they could use it and to kind of. I guess not. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did ask her for a favor. Don't know. So Harris says, "Well, 
you know, look to his ankle. I can't tell you anything more than that. And that immediately made me think of an Achilles heel. Yeah, and there's a and lot of Achilles heels in that. this. And there's, yeah. there's a couple Achilles heels in this. Right. But but no Achilles. Right. With no Aries, oh, we get to it. Talos has an Achilles heel also. I guess Apparently. what happens is when all the whenever a god picks up a human and dumps him in bronze or in magic, they're always holding them by their feet. Or whatever, not even a human, anything. And so you always have the part where we was holding them to be, to be, okay. um, yeah. And I guess, I mean, mostly it's, it's associated with Achilles, right? Yes. Um, but um, it happens with Talos too. So, and I don't totally understand what's going, what's happening here. But they get back to the shore. Jason tells the Argonauts to go hide. They're going to try and, um, they're going to try and entice Talos to come over here. Jason's waiting with his spear. He's going to do something. Yes, um, yes. And so they want to get to that ankle. It takes a while, field. but Talos approaches. The Argonauts kind of draw his attention, and Jason spots a little circular disc kind of thing on his heel. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but he manages to uh, to turn it and, and open it's a little It's a little portal or a hatch or something, and all this steam starts pouring out. Is that what's yeah, going on? I, I don't quite see, understand. Yeah, I guess that's how he... How he... How he yeah, he, uh, he basically... Uh, he basically, it was like a. I mean, he's a he's a bronze statue that acts like a balloon when you open up his. And he, I I noted this as being the. Uh, it's a classic half naked troop of bronze men on the beach decoy maneuver, so he can run around to the to his his um his heel and open up the the uh, open up and let out all the steam. And that's basically I guess, what and I don't know why it's, he's full of steam, but he is, and, and it seems to work. He's an automaton. That's maybe that's how he's powered. Oh, it could be, I guess. I just assumed he had some sort of magical... Right, it's magical. Whatever, but you could be right. Maybe he's a steam-powered Talos. Oh, that sounds cool. I want to see a steam-powered Talos movie now. <laughs> um, I'm a, I want a Lego steam-powered Talos. What, what, oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I, and I really like this bit because while Jason is doing all this, you get a, a shot of Talos kind of looking down at him with this expression mm-hmm. of like, hey, what you doing down there? Hey, exactly. what's going on? What's going on, buddy? So yeah, so all the steam or water runs out, uh, comes out, and Taylor starts choking, and he starts to crack and fall apart. And it's and, not uh, explained why that would do it, but it did. Like it looks uh, this cool, is, but I, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe, I think so. this is because the gods need to make sure that anything they create, they can also destroy. So like they want to make sure that it can't take them over. So I know this giant um, automaton that can kill men. Um, Always, everything they do always has some fatal flaw on purpose, and this is like this, like a, it's like a de- the Death Star theory. But they need some way to get rid of this thing, and so if they need to, because they can't have the things they create be able to, you know, attack them. And so they, you know, when you learn about it, it it's he's incredibly fragile, even though he looked like there's no way you could beat him. Whatever it is, it looks cool. Yeah. Um, oh. So. As as Talos is dying, basically, Hylas notices that Hercules dropped his his javelin, his brooch pin. Yes, and feels compelled to run out there and get it for his buddy. Bad move, because bad move. Yes, uh, just as Hylas is running out there, uh, Talos is is taking his final fall, crushes Hylas, boom, dead. Yeah. So you know, poor Hylas. Nice knowing but, you. But but that's Hercules it. doesn't realize this though. Yeah. Hercules is so Hercules is he wants that brooch pin and he wants his friend. Yeah. Um and so yeah, Hercules. So this is in all the confusion, Hylas is killed, but Hercules doesn't notice that his friend is killed. Yep. Exactly. But then he feels really bad because now they can't find Hylas. 
and they all assume he's he's dead. They don't know exactly how, but they just assume he's dead. Hercules is pretty bummed about this, and Jason's like, well, you know, we're going to leave tonight. We're, we'll keep looking until then, but if we don't find him, we're leaving. Hercules says, no, I'm not going anywhere uh, until I find him, and he gets I off the boat. Friend. Yeah, and the, and this is the thing. The men are much more um, loyal to Hercules. They don't really go into this very much, but the men are much more loyal to Hercules than Jason. Yeah. Jason's a guy who got him on the boat, but Hercules is like a war hero. Right. Yeah. So they actually do not want to leave. That's right. Um, unless Hercules is with them. So they're like, screw your fleece or whatever the hell you're going to look for at the moment, man. We Hercules are buddy. Don't leave. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is where Jason calls in another favor. Yeah. Exactly. From Paris. Like, we need to go. What uh what can you do? And and she tells him, Okay, this is your last favor that I'm gonna do for you. And then this is when the other men hear the figurehead talking. Uh Herod speaks directly to them. Right, exactly. Basically telling him that, give it up. He's dead. Uh, Hercules is not going with you. Zeus has other tasks for him. Yes, and this is where I'm, I'm like, what are these tasks? Like, I want to see the next movie of Hercules' exactly. tasks. With the same, yeah, if I'm 10, I'm, sitting, I'm, I'm already yeah. thinking about you know coming back next week. So I don't know how the movies are made, because I'm 10. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm coming back next week to see the Hercules movie. Uh, it didn't happen, I guess, but oh well. We'll have to look and see what these guys made. Maybe... Uh... Anyway, um, but <clears throat> yeah, they they um they do that, and then basically you you have a crushed ship, yeah. And then there's an A team scene where they're just putting the ship back together. Like it's an A team scene, exactly. They just complete like like yeah. Uh, Jason is Hannibal. They got a plan, and they put the ship back together, and they and it's in like about five, like ten minutes of screen time or five minutes of screen time. Well, B A Baracus already left, right? He's Hercules. So yeah, well, no, um, I guess. You know, be I guess it would have to be it would be Hercules, but he usually who mans the welder anyway. I think I think Hannibal mans the welder. So whoever mans the welder needs to weld the ship back together in yeah. quotes. They need to hammer this thing back together and get some mud. And they do. They build car. the ship in retro time. Yes, I can't imagine in ancient Greece building a ship had to have taken months. It took Argos like a years to create the ship, and, yeah. they, and they use it. And now in about a day, they put it back together again. Exactly. Well, they got plenty of food and water now. And goats, yes, so exactly. I guess so they're feeling pretty good. So Hera has told them, okay, you got to find Phineas, yes. uh, the blinded man. I don't think she really tells him where to find him. Just go uh, find him. They say, let's see, do, do, do. There, I think she, she mentioned that there'll be where there's, cl- oh, um, no, they just say find Phineas. She just says find Phineas, and I don't know if she like, mentioned okay. the harpies at that point or not, but they say find Phineas. They must know. Where Phineas is, he must. It must be well known where Phineas. Maybe is. that's a maybe. Maybe that's a well known name. I don't know. But uh, now we cut to a new place. We're in a new place. It's some sort of temple or ruined something or other. And we see a, an old blind man. Well, first we see a, a couple people leave a plate of food on right. a table, grapes and fruit and bread and stuff, and, and then they walk away. And then this old blind guy comes out and starts chowing down. He's eating this food. But all of a sudden, this winged something or other, which I later learned is called a harpy. Harpy um, with a blood curdling scream. Yeah, it's like, really I awesome. actually was like, what the F is that? And it's like, yeah. oh, it's harpy. Right. Exactly. Uh, was- so they start coming in. And, and uh, well, first, he, he tries to shove as much food in his pockets as he can. Yeah. Because he, he, he apparently he's- knows what's up. And he's trying to bat these harpies away and stuff. And, and, uh, and they finally scare him off. And they start eating the food. Right. And the guy is, is just crushed. He's like, you know. Lord Zeus, I was a sinner. I never tried to deny it, but I didn't. I love this line. I didn't sin every day. Why do you punish me every day? 
that's a good that's a good rule did, i didn't do anything bad today did, so okay because he doesn't use his gift of prophecy the way he's supposed to that's all so he was doing yeah. some he was using a gift of prophecy probably to bet on uh some sort of uh trojan horse trojan carriage yeah. races or something like we that. we don't know exactly what he did yeah. but he misused his his abilities somehow yes I just like the idea of why well, didn't do anything bad on this day. So on this day, right? Why you keep on punishing? Him. <laughs> so he's he feels bad, but then the Argonauts show up and uh, and they have this little back and forth. Phineas knows who Jason is apparently too, uh, because Zeus has given him the gift of prophecy. I mean, okay, he explains all that. The gods have ordered me, Phineas says, to tell you, Jason, whatever you want to know. But they've gone too far with me, so I defy you. So he's like, okay, I'll tell you uh, what you need to know. But only if you kill these harpies, get rid right. of these harpies that are bothering me. So Jason and the Argonauts are like, okay, we'll do it. They, so they I'll tell you one thing about, so when yeah. we did Greek yeah, mythology yeah. in school, um, they always said harpies on the rocks trying to scream or at whatever it was. And I thought, oh, they're like, I thought they were like, I mean, they know they have w- pretty women that are on the rocks that make, get, make you go to the rock. I forget what their name is. But yeah. that harpy, to me, I was like, oh, that's, that's another one of these Greeks is filled with attractive women, right? No, the harpies are not that. Harpies are... <laughs> like, no, definitely not. They're like winged devils that screech. Yeah. Like it's, oh, it's terrifying for a small child to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean they look good for as far as yeah, special effects go. But yeah, they're just off to listen to. So they come up with this plan to uh, lay out some food. Uh they entice the harpies to come back, and then all the aerodonauts are waiting up on on the on top of this i don't know what this thing is the structure of some sort it's like a yeah it's like a kind of a uh probably a temple but it kind of looks like it's, yeah. it's burnt out a little bit broken down a little bit and um, they release this huge net over the top of these harpies and, and trap them in the net they don't explain where they get this net or if they made no. it either because where they teamed that too they teamed it together too yeah. right exactly. and so they catch them it seems pretty easy actually Pretty easy, barely an inconvenience. Yeah, they just kill the harpies. They, I mean, they kill, they capture the harpies. And I want to say that, like, uh, his Phineas's life before before Jason shows up is pretty awful. So like the way he said, like, they were holding, they're pulling no punches with it. You know, he, it's like he 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 either ate a morsel and got attacked by harpies. It's, that's yes. all his life was. Jason's like, okay, we did this. We need to know how to get to Caucus. Now, yes. Col- Colchis, Caucus. Col- uh, this is the where the fight. Yeah, this is where the fleece is supposed to be on Colchis. I think it's C O L C H I S, but I think it's Colchis. Yep. So, uh, Fanny's like, okay, you go this way and that way, and it'll take you five days. I think that's what he says. And then he wants to know, well, okay, so what gods are protecting you? You know, kind of like, what insurance do you have? And Jason, exactly. like, well, I don't have any now. And Finney's is like, well, you're not gonna make it past the uh, crashing rocks then. Crashing rocks, right? Is that what he said. Yeah, they're fall- they're these rocks are yeah the the crashing rocks. Jason's like, and this is pretty good too. Jason's like, well, what are those? And Phineas <laughs> is like, speaks for itself, doesn't it? So uh, he's kind of a smart ass. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. He's it's got another... his food now. He feels pretty good. Phineas is like, okay, well, fine. This is all I have. I, I can give you this. And he hands Jason a figurine that he's been hang had been hanging around his neck. I guess we get a. Do we get a quick shot of the figurine? It's at this Triton. Point? It's Triton. It, I mean, or Poseidon, but it's tri- the Greek Greek god of the sea or whatever. Tri- yeah, Triton. Yeah, exactly. We do get a little look at it. It's a small little figurine around his neck. Which you think? Jason, I just what I'm thinking is, if he had this figurine, couldn't he have used it to stop the harpies from attacking? Anyway, maybe not. Maybe, maybe other, other than I mean, Poseidon's the 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 god of the ocean, god of the water. 
maybe he doesn't work on land. I don't know. You're, good point. Good point. Yeah. As as Jason, everybody's leaving. We've got a quick shot of the harpies now in a cage, and there's this, uh, I guess, witty banter about how, oh, Phineas, now you're the one eating the feast and throwing scraps to the harpies, uh, which he does. He chucks uh, a bit of food to the harpies, and they go nuts trying to eat. Yes, it. they, they still won't creepy. shut up. The harpies won't shut up, and all these people eat is um is fruit and wine that's gonna be really bad on the after a while on the digestive system i mean it's good really it, but yeah, yeah i mean you gotta have some meat somewhere um <laughs> it's actually a little creepy but uh, yeah that's the end of that bit so now the argo has set sail again there's a quick shot and i'm only mentioning this because it's the first time i noticed it on the side of the ship uh there's an eye painted there was that always hmm. there and like the like an like a, a human eye right i think i so. don't if it was there it probably was there already um, but we was. didn't see it till now yeah i just hadn't seen it yeah exactly so now they have i guess followed phineas's directions and they're approaching a water approaching an island rather and uh, argus says something about how there's not much water here either they say or i noticed watching the movie it gets really really quiet yes. there's no music there's no sound really going on they kind of wonder what the what the gods of the sea are up to ardo's a little nervous because the sea gods are dangerous and tells everybody, save your strength. We're going to need it. And then they see another ship right. and everything looks okay. Well, that ship's doing all right. I guess everything's cool. Uh, but then the rock slide starts. The ship is traveling between these two islands, I guess. Mountain, not mountains. Yeah, mountains. It looks like they're going through some sort rock of structures. Aid. And then the rock, yeah. the rock, slides on, rock slides on both sides start. And it's just pounding the ship, this other ship, with rocks. And a bunch of people fall overboard. The ship ends up sinking. And then it's all of a sudden it's quiet again, just as quickly as it started. And it's done. So the Argonauts are kind of taking this in. They're trying to figure out, do we go forward? Do we turn around? Jason's like, well, there's no turning around on this voyage. We're, we're going to go ahead, of course. And he makes a comment about how the gods want their entertainment. Right, exactly. Cut to, Zeus, cut to Zeus saying, yeah. We do want our entertainment, basically. <laughs> exactly. uh, but he's mad at Jason for going too far for, for acknowledging it. Right. How dare Jason say that? Harris says, well, he speaks the truth. And I guess because Zeus is kind of annoyed now, he starts another rock slide. Right. Somebody. Right. This is so now uh, the Argo is in in the rock slide. Argus wants to turn around. Jason is you know, looking at his, his uh, Poseidon figure, I think. Maybe this is where we first get the first shot that, yeah, indeed, it yeah, is a okay, Poseidon that, yeah. figurine. Up on Olympus, Zeus and Hera are looking at their game board, seeing where everybody <laughs> is. Exactly. Zeus is like, well, you're trapped now, huh? And uh, Hera's like, I guess I really only have one move. And she pushes a, a Poseidon figurine onto the game right. board. Poseidon has entered the game now. Back on Earth, Jason is really mad about... The gods screwing with him, basically. And he takes this figurine that Phineas gave him and chucks it into the water. We all kind of pause for a second. Ooh, what's going to happen? And the sea starts to, starts to boil. And here comes Poseidon up out of the water. It looks really cool, actually. This dude with a crown and a fishtail pops up out of the water. He stands, I guess, and puts one arm on either side yeah, the, uh, on these the rock rocks. formations nice. and kind of kind of holds everything steady so that the ship can get through. And then he retreats between the, uh, beneath the waves. Did I miss anything? It's interesting because we're not we're not quite sure in this. I mean, if um, Hera's putting Poseidon on the game board, or it was a combination of that and 
Jason throwing the idol in the water, which one summoned Poseidon? Probably needed, maybe needed both. But yeah, um, I don't know. I just wondered if maybe um, Hera putting the figure on the board made Jace compelled Jason somehow. That could have been yeah, it, right? It could have been it. But it's I hard to it's him. hard to know which one prompted the other. I she could do that without giving him a. That was the only way to give him a hint or that help him without talking to him. Right? That could so. be. Um, so just as quickly as Poseidon right. popped up, he goes beneath the waves again. I thought that all looked pretty cool. It looked really uh, good. I like that yeah. part. That was the set. My second favorite part at, the, at this yeah. point um, of the of the special effects was Poseidon coming out. And it's like, yeah. It was really cool. Hera kind of needles Zeus a little bit. Jason dared to speak of the end of the gods. You're going to let him live? And Zeus is like, well, I can't punish every blasphemy. Uh, I think mostly Zeus is just having fun with the game. He doesn't want the game to end yet. Let's see. There's one thing. Oh, so at this point, so the the special effects of Poseidon are awesome, but the bathtub that the gods are looking at the ship in is hilarious. Like they're looking at the ship, it running like in in like somebody's bathtub. So, um, and that's where she puts the Poseidon on the game board. Yep. Um, but uh, there are a couple classic quotes here, not not literary quotes, but quotes about them from the movie that are pretty interesting. Um, yep. I don't have exact one. Um, it the the references to gods need men to believe in, believe in them for the gods to exist, and that's Hera and Zeus talking about that. Like without Hera's basically saying to Zeus, like, you know, if men don't believe in you, you don't have a, you don't exist mm, yeah. like, you don't need to be here and and i think he's trying to prove that no i could be here without it so but really it is true that you know unless they, he gets his power from the from men believe men and women or man believing in him so now they've made it through the rock slides the argonauts are really tired he's kind of chilling for a minute but then they spot a woman floating on a piece of wood basically a survivor from the other ship so they pull her aboard they give her the bad news that you know basically Hardly anybody survived from the other ship. They asked her when she sailed from Colchis, and she says, well, we just left at dawn today. So Jason's all excited because that means they're really close. Yeah, they're very close. And that's um, this is Medea, who I think it, now her father in this movie or is King Aetes of Colchis. Mm-hmm. In Greek mythology, she's the niece of Circe and the granddaughter of the sun god Helos. Oh, and she's, okay. she's also a total babe. Right? I had to say that twice because last time I did, <laughs> it's been a while since I said it, but Nancy Kovac um, plays, um, and then you can see why Jason would be taken with her. Like he's, you know. He's yeah, definitely. Like, I kind of question them falling in love this quickly, but I mean, that's quick. a movie thing. It's pretty quick. They, they he's only 20, though. Time. Maybe he does. So Jason's in, introduced himself. The woman <laughs> is surprised that they came all the way from Thessaly on the other side of the world. These places that are on the other side of the world seem to know a lot about each other. Right. Kind of weird. Right. I mean, to them, the other side of the world just happens to be just basically from, from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic, I think. Well, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. And she's like, well, I mean, you don't look like a merchant. This doesn't look like a fighting ship. And Jason says, uh, well, we were sent by the gods. Your king fears the gods, but it's okay because we're here to we're here in peace. I, I need to talk to your king, but, you know, we come in peace. The woman explains, well, we're on our way to sacrifice, to make a sacrifice to our gods. Uh, in the name of peace, basically. And this is where she actually int- introduces herself, that her name is Medea, she's a priestess, and explains how they worship a being with the skull and skin of a ram, and, right. the, and it has a fleece of gold. So, gold all right, yeah. now we've got the golden fleece coming into the story. So now they got to say what to do. The men are like... Now, yeah. One thing about this is that the, her entire being and her, and her, I say her, she's a priestess, is of this golden fleece and the entire, I guess, island or her entire 
civilization worships it. Yep. So her next moves are a little questionable. Anyway, this is what I'm so. Yeah, she does kind of kind of give up on all of that pretty quick. She does. But I mean, yeah. Jason is a pretty good looking dude. So yeah, you know, he's Jason. He's a, yeah. But there, that's that, that's where you get to the yeah. Yeah, that's the fallacy but, of this movie. Right? So now they got to say what the next move is going to be. The Argonauts are like, okay, when do we attack? And Jason's like, no, we're not going to attack. We're not pirates. I'm just going to go alone and figure out to kind of scope things out. Right. And one of the guys is like, well, why don't you take a scouting party? Jason says, well, you know, the fewer that go, the less that can get caught. And then a cast, a a castus, a castus. Yes, a castus. The the Acastus. um. So that would be Felix. Felix was his name. This is son. The yeah. the traitor really he speaks Felix yeah Felix's son and um, he's like well we could attack at night seize the guards and take the fleece and somehow they go pretty quickly from that to Jason thinking that this guy is is trying to betray him and I I missed I missed the connection to Jason suddenly realizing this guy's a, a I a, just an enemy. I think that he doesn't want any dissenters like all I get is that from that from their thing is like oh you don't like my plan. Get off my ship, and he's he gets off the. I mean, he doesn't. I he guess, jumps off yeah. the ship. Yeah, it was weird. It's like like you have a big sword fight. Uh, basically, an excuse to have a big sword fight on the ship. So they they go through that a little bit. Jason, I think, gets a, a cut on his arm, and Acostas ends up jumping off the ship, swims away. Uh, another guy goes uh, does actually jump off to kind of swim after him, and they have this fight in the water. Yeah, and Acostas yeah. uh, ends mm-hmm. up killing this other guy. Yeah, so Jason's most loyal servants seem to be getting killed a lot in this movie. Yeah, on Jason's arm. So the next morning, suddenly it's the next morning, and Medea's using this local flower to heal Jason's yes, butt on his arm. arm. Really, it's just a moment for them to kind of look in each other's eyes and, and have this sort of moment. And now uh, we're at a ceremony where it's going to be basically a bunch of women dancing again. Uh, yes, at, at, it's a ceremony. A very the- good, a very good um, choreography of their dance. Very yes. well chosen, well chosen choreography, and a well chosen set of actresses to dance. Indeed. Good job. Uh, and this is where Jason finds out. Holy crap! Medea's a, a, a priestess. Yeah, she's a yes. she's a very important uh, person in the in this uh, culture here. And now we're gonna meet King a- Aetes. Aetes, yeah. Yeah, he walks in with his entourage. Uh, Medea announces that Jason is here. Uh, Jason has gone by himself, by the way. He has not brought yes, the Argonauts. No, nobody's with him. Yeah. Yeah. He is uh, declared to be a hero, uh, I guess, for saving Medea. And he's invited to this feast. The king is like, bring your men. We're going to have a big feast. You're a hero. This is awesome. The king asks him, you know, why are you here? Jason says, well, I'm here in peace. King doesn't say, it says, well, I didn't ask you how. I said, why are you here? And he makes some comment about how anyone, how anyone who comes in deceit uh, stays here in death. And Jason actually, which I thought was maybe a bad move, he brings up the fleece right away. Yeah, right away. I think I would have held back on that information if it was me. He doesn't have a lot of, Jason doesn't have a lot of game. He really doesn't. No, no. And at the mention of the fleece, the king flips out. He's like, the fleece has brought our society peace. And clearly you're here to ruin that. And the Argonauts aren't heroes, they're pirates. We give our thanks to the, the king of Peleus of Thessaly. And then Acostas enters the room. Right, right. And wait, so at this point, though, all of um, all of Jason's men have, have arrived at the party. Oh, I, I didn't mention that. Yes, all the Argonauts are there now. Yeah. Uh, clearly, uh, we're learning here, Acostas has gotten there ahead of them and has planted all these ideas in the king's head about how evil the Argonauts are. Yes. So they all get captured. They're all hauled away to be imprisoned. 
Medea is having a, a crisis of uh, of conscience here. She's like, boy, you know, I really uh, uh, these guys are not traitors. They're not pirates. But if I give them the fleece, then I'll be a traitor to right. my world. And but if I don't give it to them and let them die, then I, I'm a traitor to myself. And man, what am I going to do? She clearly doesn't stew on this very long because no, it doesn't long. she just wants some Jason. Like, she wants some. She wants some Jason action. I think it basically is what happens. Yeah. So, because the next thing we see is a bunch of passed out guards. Right. They don't really explain it. I assume she has drugged them or something. Um, Were they the, drunk from the party or, or what? So it says, um, uh, uh, while well, I wrote that, Medea does the old steal the keys while the guards are drunk in a sleep trick. Yeah. So that's basically that's so it's, what I wrote. It's a, it's a film. It's a, the guy, the guards get, everyone gets drunk. Um, and the guards are not supposed to get drunk because later on they, when the king is told that they got drunk and were asleep, she's pissed off. So they just, you know, as guards do. So she gets when, they, the when keys. you need them to when you need them to get drunk in a movie, so you can steal keys. Yeah. <laughs> so she she gets the keys. She gets Jason out, uh, frees the Argonauts. She begs Jason, you know, just give it up, just go home. Things are are messed up enough as it is. Jason, of course, says, "No, I'm not going to do that." I, well, I think the idea is he's not going to leave the Ar- other Argonauts there. Nope. Um. Yeah. yeah, she Medea's wants like, to just uh, go. She, she's like, let's just go together. You know, like yeah. just you and I. He's all, yeah. no, no, bros before hoes, babe. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Medea finally is like, fine, I will help you get the fleece, but then you have to take me with you because yes. I have no country anymore. And I love you. It's one of those moments. Yes, it is. And and there's a lot of moments when, when Hera's looking down at this getting jealous and angry. Cause, you yep, know, a little bit. Yeah. So then they free the Argonauts. The Argonauts take off to the ship to get that ready. And Jason and Medea, I guess, are headed off to get the fleece. Uh, one of the guards has woken up now, like you said, and tells the king they've escaped. King wants to know where Acostas is. But, huh, he's not in his quarters. What's going on? Nope. He, yeah, no, he's... And there's a point where eighties the king gets up and he goes starts to run and I swear he's wearing tube socks with stripes on them under his <laughs> his guard like like that was the day I don't even know if that was were a thing in the sixties but it totally looks like he's wearing them like and there's a lot maybe. of places in this movie where like they didn't maybe the costumes were 100 percent so really like some guys are just wearing tidy whities as they're as <laughs> as doesn't it doesn't always look like they're they're yeah. wearing the Greek garb they're supposed to, but in general, it's done really well. So. Well, like you said, there are parts of this movie where really they probably should be naked because yeah, exactly would be, but they couldn't do that either. So now Medea has led Jason to the tree with the golden fleece, and really it's just a ram's head uh, skull with with some fleece on it. It's gold, yeah, and it, the kinda... fleece is white. Well, at some point it's white too. Like it like it changes color to white when Jason gets near it as if he's not supposed to have it. I don't know if this is true or not in the story, but he, it's golden and then he gets near it and it's, it flushes out white. I didn't know if that was uh, like part of the movie or not, um, but it does look like him near it. It's not special anymore. He has to fight for it to be special, like, or to have for him to be the owner of it. Fleece, fl- the fleece kind of turns white when Jason gets near it. I think that yeah. might be because the um, he, he, until he kills the guardians, the fleece is not his. He can't. He's not. It's yeah. not his. Special. He can't just run away with it. He has to actually kill. He has to actually um, retrieve it and make right. it his own. So just as he's a, Jason's about to get the fleece, a a, uh, a hydra appears. I didn't know what that yes. was called either until I looked it up. But it's a multi-headed it's a, a, snake. Multi-headed snake, exactly. Yeah. and we see that it is holding Acostas, who I guess is already dead, presumably, right? 
Costas was killed by the Hydra, yes. Uh, wrapped up in his tail, he's just kind of laying there. It's good dead acting, I thought, on the part of this actor. Jason spends a long time swinging at this thing with his sword. Which Jason is does a lot of swinging in this movie, hitting nothing. Like, it's a yeah. lot of swinging. I think it's because the chore- the choreography of him swinging and then putting, adding in the double exposure to have the thing there. You can't. There's no way he's going to hit anything. But it looks cool. It's just he he's very for like a guy who was sent across the world with his sword. He's very bad with his sword. Yeah. Anyway, I agree. So there's this long sequence of of that kind of stuff. Snake tangles him up in his tail at one point, but Jason's able to get away. Ultimately, he's able to stab the the Hydra. Yes, uh, he does finally connect. The snake makes a, a snake makes a kind of a shrieking noise and then drops dead. And supposedly, at this point, all of the men that the Hydra killed come back as skeletons, but there's only seven. So I don't know. This is what. So I don't know if it's that or if it's the seventeenth of the Hydra. There's there's conflicting. Well, yeah. So so information about that. The the, the Hydra drops dead. The Argonauts show up, the the other soldiers show up. Jason uh, sends Argo away with the fleece to to get away with that. Acostas is no, I said that Acostas is dead. The Argonauts run after, I guess, run away with Argo. The king says some jazz about uh, basically praying to his god, his queen of Hecate darkness, or something, the queen of the children, or something like that, or the, the, wrote, the, the god sure of protector not. of the. Of the hearth or something like that. So, yeah, what uh, I wrote, and I'm sure this is incorrect, Hikardi, Queen of Darkness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, oh, whatever. Hard, oh, okay. Huck, um, let's see. Let me see here. Um, it could be Queen of Darkness. Let's see. Keys. Yeah, she, uh, she's shown with the keys, torches, dogs, and snakes. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter, really. But, yes, it's a god. There's a goddess that he prays to that's protecting the um, that also protects the fleece. So now all these fireballs start raining down from the sky. Yes. Sets this hydra on fire, burns it to nothing except for the the skeleton, and and the soldiers all pick up all the teeth, all this, uh, all the various skulls. The king says something about how against the children of the hydra's teeth there is no protection. Uh, cut to Jason and Medea. They're running to the ship. An archer shoots Medea in the back with an arrow. Oh, drops yeah. dead. Uh, and Jason tells uh, Argus to use the fleece to heal her because it has healing powers. Yeah, it turns out the fleece can do almost anything, which is great. Uh, apparently. I wondered if this whole time they're sitting there healing Medea, doesn't the archer have another arrow in yeah, his yeah. bag? You know? Probably, um, but it's a movie, right? I just think that there's a lot of in- instances in this movie where things happen in a time frame that is either slowed down or sped up unrealistically. There's a lot of that. Exactly. So they hit the beach, and the king and his men show up, and he he he's holding he's got all the teeth using one of the skulls, uh, hydra skulls as a bowl. Right. He, he he takes a he starts throwing teeth around like like uh, planting seed it, in your garden. It. And uh, it, there's there's a lot of great shots of the Argonauts just watching this guy do this. Like, <laughs> what the hell listen. is he doing? Yeah. Uh, they don't try to run or anything. They just nope, stand they're there just and watch watching this. him. They're and, like, uh, what's this crazy man doing? Yeah. Jason does send Medea and the Argonauts away. He says, look, go get to the ship. Uh, although a couple of them stay behind. And now we get a scene that, I'll be honest, I was kind of disappointed in, frankly. The skeleton fight. Um, it, okay. it looks, it should be really cool. But So here's what actually happens. The, the ground starts to rumble a little bit. And then one by one, these skeletons with uh, swords and shields pop out of the ground. 
This is not Total the classic of '30s Sinbad and the Seven Seas skeleton <laughs> fight. This is a whole other skeleton fight, um, and it, yeah, it looks just okay. And a lot of another misses by Jason again. He's missing. He does eventually hit them with the back of his sword and yeah. pushes them, but he isn't ever hit with a swipe. They not a good. He's not a good at swiping with the sword. What I wondered is how how do you fight a skeleton with a sword? I mean, you have to knock it apart, right? I guess, like, yeah. Right. But my, I was disappointed only because in my head, having never seen this movie before, in my head, because I'd heard about it and I knew, and you see clips over you know, various things, clips of the Ray Harryhausen right. uh, skeletons or whatever. I imagine that this scene was like a whole army yeah, of skeletons. An epic army. That's why I said, I heard, I read a thing where it said like the skeleton, and this may be me mixing what I read with, with the movie, but the skeleton skins were supposed to represent all the people that, like I said, that the Hydra had killed, and there's only seven, and I'm all, Wait a minute. And so like that, then it was the teeth. Oh, it's the teeth. It doesn't make sense. You'd think there would be an army of skeletons protecting this thing, not seven. I mean, right. were there a bunch of duds in, in, in the teeth that just didn't I pop? Guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot of heads, too. You'd think there'd be a lot yeah. more teeth. Well, yeah. But at any rate, anyway, I mean, the, the ones that are there. Sort of a disappointing do, skeleton look, fight. Yeah. They look good. I mean, the ones that are there. I just I was yeah. disappointed that it wasn't a bigger deal. Was a, it was a little bit like, okay, we spent our budget. We got seven skeletons for this. That might be what it's, it is. So there's a little bit of a sequence of this fighting these uh, these skeletons. The Argonauts are doing okay at first. Well, I wrote that, and then I, I looked up, and a guy died. So I said, well, okay, except for one guy. Jason ultimately gets cornered, I think, and he jumps into the water. Yeah, there's so much of practical uh, effects here that when they jump yeah. in the water, they're pretty good. Like someone yeah. jumped in that water with some skeletons next to him, like, like physical skeletons, yeah. they look good. Yeah, it was it was pretty they good. It was good. not stop motion. It was pretty. Good. It wasn't excellent, but it was practical. It was you know yeah. at that point. So so Jason starts swimming towards the ship. Hera uh, is telling uh, Zeus, "Okay, he's getting away. I think that means I'm a, a worthy opponent. I'm I'm kind of winning this game." Right. And uh, this is where Zeus. This is where Zeus gives her the dollar from the end of Trading Places. Says, "You won the dollar." Like exactly. that's like this whole thing. And she's like. Okay, I guess we're done. I'm going to go clear the board. Game's over. And, and Zeus, I guess because he wants to watch this, he's like, well, we're not quite done yet. And then we, we get a shot of Jason and Medea smooching, basically. Yeah, I think I think Zeus wants, Zeus was hoping for the, the R-rated portion of the film show. This is a exactly. G-rated film, by the way. This film is but he, it's but he says some stuff about, Zeus says some stuff about, well, you know, let's let him have a moment. I have other adventures planned for Jason. Right. And this is where uh, I was thinking, that line and the one for Hercules, and well, did they plan more movies? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, I don't know. This was the reception of this is like across the board, good reviews and everything. Yeah. So it's like, but I don't think there was a lot. I don't think they made any sequels to this. I don't so. think so. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, roll credits. So my first thought was he didn't go back and kill Peleus. They, they didn't wrap up. Not, not in this, though. Right? No. So he but has I, the fleece. The fleece will protect him from anyone who's trying to attack him. So he can basically kill Peleos as he needs to. But but maybe the one saddled thing is going to happen. In, it was going to happen in the next movie. Right? I suppose. That never, like you said, never happened. But uh, all that in mind, that there were probably sequels planned that we didn't get to see. Uh, what do you think? Well, I so I watched it during end of a work day. The work day was not very good, but the movie was fantastic. So, like, <laughs> like I was like having sort of a bad, like, just one of those bad days where like things just weren't going. It and I, I go, I'm watching this now, and I'm watching it. I think I sent you a text message saying this movie rocks. You know, like this is a, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to yeah. be, and it was very much like the adventure that I needed. Yes, the special effects are great for the time right now; they're not incredible, but like I said, break open crackle. 
it's free to watch on any streaming platform and, and watch this movie. It's good. Exactly. The 2600 game about it is ridiculous. <laughs> the game is not great. It's a um, combination of Breakout and Space Invaders, which I think would be a great combination, but it's not. I mean, it's just say, the, you know, the game, if they didn't tell you it was a, supposed to be Jason and the place, know, yeah. how would you know? And it, it really doesn't matter. So I would have thought it was Tron de- the Neutron Deadly Discs. Yeah. Like you're, you're throwing a disc up at the ceiling and things are falling down or something. Exactly. So, yeah, don't go to the game expecting this movie and don't expect this movie to reflect really what's in the game. So, yeah, the, the movie much better than the game. Yes, the movie, I, I was entertained. I, uh, I'm if, happy uh, I saw it because that's a movie that you hear about. You always hear about, but you never actually watch. And I'm glad that I finally did. So I'm glad I thank you because I'm glad I saw it because now I have one thumb to recommend. Like people ask, what's what's a great movie from the '60s or what's something you can watch for the family? G-rated movie, yeah. Um, and um, and and it's fantastic. Like there's not a waste of time in this hour and 47 minutes. No. Didn't seem like an hour and 47 movie or 47 no. minute movie. It seemed like it was about an hour and 10 or something like that. So, I agree. Yeah, good film. Um, good time. Like I said, I was a little disappointed with the skeleton fight. I thought that should be a bit more epic. But what was there looked good. There I would watch a, a whole other movie with Taylor yeah, in it. I, I so. was hoping maybe there's a movie you can watch about this. But if they made another one, I would watch it too. Like this is a, like I think they had something going here where they could have made a like another couple of movies, and they didn't seem to happen. I looked to see about what was Zeus' plans for Jason. So it says, why did Zeus intervene with Jason the Argonauts? This is Aetes asked Zeus to punish Medea and Jason in order to get revenge for his son's unfair death. I don't know who mm-hmm. the son is. There's something about this in the mythology that is all twisted around. So we're going to have to read this no matter what really was supposed to happen. Yeah. There's a lot more to this story that they've sort of, you know, squeezed down into in what they did for the movie. But anyway. Um, no, I am kind of curious to go back and read. I know I read some of the stuff when I was a kid in school. And it yeah. does kind of make me uh, feel like, well, I should go read some of this and see see how it matches up. Definitely uh, a good time, Bill. Thank you for inviting me to do this. I know it took two hours, and you're going to have to cut this down to like you know thirty minutes or something. <laughs> no, I'll probably put the whole thing out. It's a, it's a little our... Christmas present for the people. This is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the End of the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. For years, Dogwater Hunt, alien abductee, many times over, has scanned the skies waiting for the aliens to return to his hometown of Santa Claus, Indiana. Yes, it's a real place. This year on Christmas Eve, Dogwater believes it will happen. Dogwater's friend, Cameron Jones, a successful novelist, is struggling with writer's block. A talking goldfish? That's normal, isn't it? 
and a battle with his ex-wife over her plan to move to England with their five-year-old daughter. Meanwhile, up at the North Pole, Santa himself has got his own problems. After centuries of being jolly, the constant tide of kids who believe, then don't anymore, is wearing on him. So he quits, hangs up the red suit, and is cringled no more. Where does he go? Santa Claus, Indiana, obviously. The story of how these three men are thrown together is told in the novel In the Saint Nick of Time, written by the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. It's about time there was a Santa Claus story for adults, so he wrote one. Will these guys save Christmas? Probably. That's how these books work. But you gotta read it to find out how. Go to www.carnivalofgleekcreations.com for more information about the book and some of the places you can order it. Happy Holidays! that's our show. Huge thanks to Jeff Fulton for hanging out with me during movie time. I know you're already listening to Into the Vertical Blank, but if you're not by chance, do go fix that, because you should be. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Head over to Apple Podcasts and like Zeus, passing edicts from on high, proclaim that the humans shall henceforth listen to Atari Bytes. Alternately, if you'd rather just send me a Talos action figure, I'd be okay with that too. Talos is so cool. Email the show at AtariBytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes, or follow me personally on Twitter at Carnival of Glee. I'm also at Carnival of Glee on Hive and Mastodon and Tumblr, and I'm still trying to figure all those sites out, but I am over there, and uh, I'm looking for followers, so please do. You can also call. I'm never going to answer the phone. That hasn't changed for the new year. But you can leave a voicemail. 563-265-1978. Call me and I'm dying to hear from you. Check out the website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, which has info about this show, about It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, about books that I've written, other stuff that I've done. I haven't looked in there lately. Maybe there are naked photos of me. I don't know. Seriously, if there are, stay away. Consider supporting the show over there at the... Uh, Atari Bytes page on Patreon.com. It helps me out. It's a nice thing to do. It also lets you join an exclusive club with these guys who all have my eternal gratitude. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Goble, and Robert Ferguson. Thanks to one and all. All right, that's about it. Next time will be a brand new year for the, for all of us. It will also be a new year for the podcast, actually. I believe the show started in January of 2016 and the next episode will drop in january of 2023 which makes the show yikes seven years old so you would think i would have actually gotten good at it by now in honor of that anniversary we're well really not doing anything anniversary related actually we are instead just playing a game and that game is time warp for the 2600 i know absolutely nothing about it but i saw the name time warp and i'm a sucker for time travel stuff so I was like, well, I got to play this game. I will probably end up being hugely disappointed, but I hope not. So come on along and find out if my soul is crushed or if I am shocked and amazed to not be totally beside myself with grief over choosing this game. It'll be exciting, folks. Uh, and I hope you're there in 2023 for that episode and beyond. And I hope that you all have a lovely New Year's, happy and safe in everything that you could hope. 
While you're making your list of New Year's resolutions, you should add to that list that you will go play some old games. They've missed you.